Good afternoon. The time is 2 o'clock. Welcome to Vox Pop on this Food Friday, March 1st. I'm Ray Graff. Well, Food Friday Hall of Famer Deanna Fox is back. And today we're talking about hand-me-down recipes. What's the oldest family recipe that you still bring to the table from time to time? How have you adapted it from the days when your grandparents trotted it out for family dinners? Old recipes can be a funny thing. The missing corner of a page can lead to a lot of detective work to make that dish just like Mama used to make. Give us a call. 800-348-2551 is our number. 800-348-2551. Or email us at voxpop at wamc.org. The number again is 800-348-2551. Deanna Fox, hand-me-down recipes. Your calls coming up after the news. again. Welcome back to Vox Pop, WAMC's live afternoon call-in talk show. I'm Ray Graff. Today we welcome back our friend, Deanna Fox. Deanna is the former proprietor of Albany Cooking School and recovering food journalist whose work appeared in the TU, New York Times, Washington Post, Eater, and more. She now works in the communications field, but still writes about food on occasion when not scrambling to keep up with her growing teenage children. Today she wants to talk about what she calls hand-me-down recipes and the magic and mystery they can provide. What do I mean by that? Well, we're not entirely sure. She's sure, but I'm not that sure. We're going to find out. Uh, If you want to call, we'd love to hear from you. 800-348-2551. Share ingredients you feel have changed over the years, what you've done to get recipes back to their original state. That's the premise. The number is 800-348-2551. You can also email us at voxpop at wamc.org. Deanna Fox, welcome to March. Hello, how are you? Eh, doing pretty good. Yeah, you're well, wearing green today. You're like festive. Is that in season? Is that a St. Patrick's Day sort of thing? I think so. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. What do they call it? What what aisle? Oh, the Emerald Isle. The Emerald Isle. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, I have a maybe perhaps one flannel shirt, and this is it. And so it's a green one. It pops up pretty <laughs> often. Uh, what's new with you? Oh, well, I'm so excited. I'm like counting backwards from when I can plant my tomato starts and my pepper starts and everything in my garden. So I'm almost at the point where I can put the seeds in little pots of soil and put them in my little greenhouse. And well, you have a greenhouse. Oh, it's a little. I have a big. I live in an old house. Yeah. Old houses are so genius because they're built. Keeping in mind like seasonality and passive solar. So I have all these southern exposure windows that let in so much light and so much heat in the winter, which is great. So I've got this huge porch on the south facing side of my house that serves like a greenhouse, but I have like those little portable greenhouses with all the grow lights and stuff and I put them in. So I grow like the most amazing tomato plants and pepper plants and cabbage and broccoli and all and just everything i grow everything in my garden i love it that's very old school and that kind of ties in with what we're talking about today and Mm -hmm. and you came up with this idea today and what what sparked that for you well i've been on this quest for a while and i think i finally figured it out um of these cookies that i brought in today oh you brought cookies i brought cookies i brought a little bag of cookies i like it so they're called stir and drop cookies stern stir and oh, stir drop. and drop. But okay. it's like an N. Stir and... Stir and drop. Stir and drop. Gotcha. Yeah. My great-grandmother used to make them. Yeah. And there was a jar, a glass jar with like a wooden lid on her kitchen table. 
and they it just these cookies they would always be there and there's a whole story behind i can get into but the premise is that when I would make them with the exact recipe that she gave me, they never tasted the same. Ah. And I had to do a lot of digging and figuring out what might be different. And it's because ingredients change over time. So did you... Okay, first of all, memory is a subjective thing. Mm-hmm. And you might say, oh, well, this is this is the way it tasted. Yeah. And it, I presume that your, your great-grandmother is no longer with us. She's not. I had her for a long time, though. Okay. Yep. So you have a pretty solid memory. Uh-huh. But then you, you're doing detective work in your head saying, okay, I think I have it. I think I have it. Yes, but like collectively too. Like collectively, my family was like, no, those aren't the same. Something's different. And yeah. it's like, man, I've used everything the same. So kind of the backstory going back. She grew up in Brooklyn. Her father served in World War One. He served in the trenches. We have this trench art. It's really cool. But somewhere along the line, he got put on mess duty with a bunch of like American German uh, bakers, yeah, and learned oh my how to gosh. bake. Probably and my grand, uh, great grandparents, and came back to they Brooklyn, lived in Brooklyn, and on Hancock Street, and opened a bakery. And so these cookies were like such a part of our family that I figured this has to be like a family recipe. He must have made them at some point in his bakery. And I always wanted to learn. I always wanted the recipe, but I was afraid to ask because I was afraid it was like some guarded thing. Uh, no, when I finally had the gumption to ask her, she went into her her little tin recipe box with all the clipped out, and it was the uh, like an oil stained. It was almost see through <laughs> label on the back from a back of a Wesson oil oh. bottle. Yeah, and well, so she just got them off the Wesson oil bottle. Was something missing though? I mean, what no. the so, recipe would be there in its entirety. You should be able to pull that off. Yeah. So Wesson oil changed the ingredients in which it made its oil Uh, and so it was never as sweet so it used to be i believe like safflower oil which had a nuttiness a sweetness that was really good and now it's mostly canola hmm. just for economic reasons i would assume probably easier to grow canola so i tried like all the different oils to try to find something besides just using flat safflower oil and I use corn west oil now, and now it's closer. But ah. that's the thing. Like, many, many, many testing experiments with this cook. And thankfully, the recipe should be on the website. It's very easy to make. Uh, on our website? Yeah. I put it on. Hey. How about that? Look at that. You're on top oh, of stuff. How about that? Hey. Yeah, so you can go to WAMC.org, look at today's Vox Pop Food Friday page, and you will see this recipe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I should probably try that, yeah? Yeah, you want to try one? Sure. Okay. So, um... My grandmother, you know, I don't remember too many. I remember some great food, mm-hmm. but I, I, I was not, as you well know, I'm still not a cook, and I wasn't really paying close attention. Mm-hmm. But she made breaded pork chops. Oh, yeah. My grandmother did, too. Okay. Yeah. And, and she she took thin chops, and I, I guess she pounded the living daylights out of them with that little metal hammer, whatever mm-hmm. they call that thing. And, um, a meat mallet? Oh, yeah, the meat mallet. The meat mallet. Of course. <laughs> ap- aptly named. And uh, she would bread them in some way, which, mm-hmm. of course, I was paying no attention, but then fry them yeah. in, I believe, Crisco. That I think mm-hmm. I remember. She put the Crisco right in the pan and just fry them. The greatest pork chops ever. And she would fry them with little bits of, uh, little slivers of onion. Okay. Which would get brown. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I could but then would she, what would she do with the Crisco? Would she put it in a different Crisco, like an old Crisco container and save that, let it solidify again? 
Because I, I see that happen a lot, I, too. Honestly, I, I don't yeah. know. I was, too, I was too busy eating, <laughs> eating. very quickly. Mm-hmm. The number here is 800-348-2551. It's hand-me-down recipes with our friend Deanna Fox, one of those old recipes that you have had handed down in your family, and maybe they've changed a little bit. You're trying to get them just right. Let's grab a call here or two before we get to the first break. Peter's in West Stockbridge. Peter, you're on. Hello. Hey. Deanna. Hi, Peter. I'm Ray. I was very happy to hear you say uh, uh, Happy St. David's Day and Happy St. David's to you. I should be walking around with a leak on my chest, but I, I uh, that's the national flower. Oh, really? Oh, right. Uh, yep. I, yeah. Um, taking a breath here. Okay, so my mother's um, bread sauce recipe. This is something that we had with turkey dinner. Uh-huh. And you take a large onion, uh, poke about 20 cloves into it, immerse it in a double boiler uh, in milk, um, and you cook it uh, slowly for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, she also put a little bit of blade mace in there. Mm -hmm. Don't really know what that is. Blade mace? And then... um, Blade mace. Do you know what that is? Mace, like the spice? Yes, mace. Mm-hmm. Yep. So mace is the outside. Um, it's like the husk of nutmeg. Ah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, at the end of the day, before supper, you take that and sieve that liquid into some chopped up uh, bread mm-hmm. in a bowl. And uh, voila, you have bread sauce. And you would serve that like have, like a gravy? Like a stuffing. Oh. I mean, with your stuffing. Yeah. Oh, and salt cool. and pepper. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever hear about that it's very simple. type of recipe, Deanna Fox? I've never heard of that recipe. That's pretty cool. That is cool. I've heard of like people yeah. using bread as a thickener in a sauce or gravy, but not like what Peter is describing. And also not, when you say cloves, you mean like actual whole cloves, like the spice. Whole Whole, yeah, whole cloves. Into Just the poke onion. them all in that big fat onion. Yeah. That's cool. And Love then cook, cook that onion. Yeah. So do you still make this and, recipe? Oh, yes. You do. Well, that's good. It's and my job. Does it taste the same <laughs> as when you. she made it? Yeah. You know, I don't think you can ever do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, there's always something missing. Yeah, and that's uh, the thing. Like, people... Just the way you hold the spoon is different. Just the way you stir the pot is different. And little things like that can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great yeah. one. Peter, thank you so much. And uh, happy, what was the Thanks, day? St. David's, David's Day. St. David's Day. Yeah, well, thank you very much. 800-348-2551 is our number. Deanna Fox is our guest. These cookies are dang good. They're so easy. They're like a little bit lemony. And then the trick is you do like, you take two teaspoons, like just spoons that you eat cereal with into a glass of water so they're wet and that the batter is really soft and you just drop them into rounded teaspoonfuls on your baking sheet and then you take a glass uh, and dip it in some oil and then dip it in some sugar and press down on the cookie so it gets round and i use a little i use my whiskey glass oh really yeah it's a little cut glass with a little flower in the bottom that's cool so uh you could definitely and i i you brought the lemon up and so you're using a teaspoon of grated lemon rind in this yeah that's a, Lemon zest. A very nice. That idea. recipe that's on the website is how it was given to me. 
on the back of a Wesson oil bottle. But as you say, the difference is the Wesson oil is not the same. It's not the same. So your recommendation should be on there as well. It should. I would recommend using corn oil if you can find it. Corn oil. Corn, yeah. Okay. That seems to be the closest thing I can find. You know, uh, one recipe, uh, I'll tell you about that on the other side of the break. Zach, let's take a break here. 800-348-2551 is our number. Deanna Fox is our guest. Hand me down recipes, and we'll be back. Joe Pass, the great one there on the guitar, 800-348-2551. That's Joe's tune. This is Vox Pop. It's Food Friday. Deanna Fox is our guest. It's, um, you know, she comes up with some great ideas and rarely fails me. And this, oh, have you ever? Sir, well, I, have I ever? I, I don't know. I mean, you're not failing now. It's it, been a long time. We've been doing the show a long time. Sure have. I'm sure there's been an instance or two. Where we were like, oh, God, oh, God. It's, <laughs> when, when's it going to end? No, but not this one. <laughs> Hand-me-down recipes is the concept. And basically, you know, those old recipes that have been handed down in your family, maybe they've changed a little bit over time. Uh, maybe you can't quite get it. Maybe you don't have that piece of paper. Here's one. My grandmother used to make this chocolate cake. Mm. It wasn't a chocolate cake. It was a, it was a you know, a, I can't describe. And this is the problem. Mm -hmm. It's a multi-layer cake. Right. Okay, you take layers of, she used to get Jiffy mix, which I cannot find the, their layers. The, like I, cake mix? Yeah, the Jiffy layers. And huh. she did it in a way. So it was not quite. It was not quite angel food cake. Mm -hmm. It was kind of spongy, though. Yeah. Some air bubbles in there. Yeah. And then she would take make two layers and then cut them, which to me looked like some sort of very dangerous surgery. Cut the the layers in the middle so that they became oh, yeah, yeah. double really layers. Yeah. yeah. And then you had this Hershey's syrup, the old cans. Yeah. And you had heavy cream, I think. Mm -hmm. And you mix this Hershey syrup with the heavy cream, and then you started layering the cake. And then you put it in the fridge for mm, as long as you want. Mm -hmm. Well, we've tried, and my daughter made it for, for me one time. The layers weren't exactly right, but it's on the right track. The but layers I, are also chocolate? No, the layers are golden cake. Okay. Like spongy, but not angel food. We've tried it with angel food, too, which was— Well, then it's just—it's genoise. It's a sponge cake. How do you do Genois, and why can't you find it in the stores when you buy a box of stuff? Because you got to make that from scratch, baby. What do you mean you got to make you gotta it from scratch? you got to separate your eggs. you got to whip up your egg whites with a little sugar. Yeah. And then whip up your egg yolks with more sugar. And then you're, maybe there's a leavening agent. Maybe there's a little baking powder. Salt and flour, and that's basically it. And you fold in your flour, your dry ingredients into the whipped up yolks and, and sugar. That should look, when you whip the egg yolks and the sugar and you pull the beater out, it should look like a beautiful, velvet, pale yellow ribbon. Let me ask you a question. No breaks. And then, once that's all incorporated, in thirds, you do one third of your egg whites and you slowly fold it in. The next third, slowly fold it in. The final third, fold it in until there's no streaks. And that's a Genoa. Gen Genoese, if okay. you're British. Okay, so... Question for you. You've done this show a long time. Uh -huh. When you go into those descriptions of, of, of techniques and things and how mm -hmm. to do does the blank look <laughs> on my face really show? Because all no, I, it looks like the gears are turning. Like I can really? see the smoke come out your ears. Because I don't yeah. know if the gears have turned in quite some time. It reminds me. I saw this cartoon. Uh, somebody was yelling at a dog. And yeah. what you're saying to the dog, and there's a little 
little blurb uh-huh. what the dog is understand, you say. and it's yeah. just like gobbledygook. And yeah. so some of these things that you describe, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm a dog, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I could probably have some more skills. Let's go to Bonnie in Hurleyville. Bonnie, you're on with Deanna Fox. Hello. Uh, I perked up when I heard the comment about the Mazzola oil changing uh, the recipe because uh, my grandmother, my mother, my aunt traditionally made uh, this cookie. It's called mandel bread. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, sort of an Eastern European biscotti, I guess. And uh, over time, my years ago, my mother had said there's something wrong with the oil. It seems more watery. The mandel bread tastes a little bit differently. She had to add more flour, which made the cookie more dense. And when I started making it, I had the same experience. So in her recipe, it's two-thirds of a cup. If you put that much in, it, it's very, very oily. You have to put in much more flour. So I was wondering if in addition uh, to the change in the oil that made the flavor somewhat different, it it, it made it more watery, mm-hmm. uh, huh. you know, at the point where the recipe had to be changed. And I was wondering if you had noticed it anything along those lines. Well, I think the problem, too, is that, you know, it's not promoted what the changes are. It could be a completely different, like in my instance, it was a completely different type of seed that they were pressing into oil. Yeah. And so that can change the fat content. Um, But also just like, I think a lot of, and this is true of sugar and it's true of flour, true of oil, is that the the seed or whatever... uh, species variety of wheat or anything that they're growing or the changes in climate can change the end product. So Fran in Gallatin wrote in mm-hmm. and said Wesson oil used to be made from cottonseed oil. Cottonseed, that's it. Cottonseed. And Crisco right. has also changed according to Fran, who's yes. a regular listener to Food Friday. Cottonseed, yeah, she's right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so it was necessary to change the the volume, you know, that yeah. you're using in the recipe because obviously the product wasn't the same mm-hmm. as it had been. So, yeah. Uh, I just I, I thought it was interesting to hear your comment, and I said, oh, okay. But this is likely. Um, how did it, yeah, Bonnie, how did it turn ahead. out for you, though? Do you feel like you got, did you make the right adjustments to get to the desired outcome? Yeah, it's, a, it's an easy recipe. It's basically you heat oil and sugar yeah. with egg in it. Mm-hmm. And then you just pour it in, you know, you mix it in with um, flour and uh, baking powder. Um, so I just have to remind myself that then rather than put in the two-thirds cup of oil, I have to put in a little bit less, and it works. But I, I still had the same experience where think I was thinking, hers tastes better. Wow. Yeah. Hers tastes better. But it's also so like... Maybe there is that... <laughs> The eggs that you're using are probably different than she used, too. Like, you're probably getting a grocery store egg, and it's probably, like, a large or an extra large. And what she made could have been, you know, a chicken out. Yeah, so everything's different. So it's really tough. So you need some forensic uh, detective work. Hey, Bonnie, thanks for the call. Have a great weekend. 800-348-2551. Nick wrote in. Mom's mushroom sauce. Super simple, but takes a while. Saute mushrooms, onions, shallots, and butter. Add cream. Cook very slowly, occasionally stirring. Pinch of nutmeg at the end is her secret. Mm -hmm. And angel hair pasta. And Nick writes, my new trick for angel hair is use exactly the amount of water needed without straining, stirring vigorously toward the end. You ever heard of that method? Yeah. Really? Yeah, but I never do it. Yeah. Why? 
because it's too much work. Okay, that's all. But it, it, yeah. could, it could come out okay. Yeah, of course it would come out okay. Yeah, but you do have to because it'll stick. It's going to absorb up all of that water. And uh, so if you're not stirring it, it's going to just like sear to the bottom of the pan. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, this is a long email, and then we'll go back to the phones. 800-348-2551. Deanna Fox is here. She brought cookies. The stirring drops, and the recipe is on our website, wamc.org. Just hit the Food Friday page for today, and there it shall be. Uh, This is from Kathy in Roxboro, North Carolina, Hmm. who used to live in Niskayuna and listens on the app. Well, thank you, Kathy. Uh, Kathy writes, and she's talking about her great-grandmother's pecan pie, or if you're from up this way, pecan. Uh, (laughs) When I was first married, says Kathy, my husband asked me to make a pecan pie. He had his grandmother's recipe on a small cart. It's pretty much the same ingredients as most other pecan pies, but at the end it says, bake in a hot oven, four logs until firm. She used (laughs) sorghum syrup, but I used and still use light caro. This was before everything was on the internet, and I only had the joy of cooking book. So I checked that for temperature and time, baked it for the length of time it specified, but it wasn't firm. I had to extend the time by about 20 minutes before a knife came out clean. Looking at their recipe, mine had one more egg and a little more syrup and a quarter cup of bourbon. So hey. that, now, you, now you have my attention. So that explained the extended baking time, I think, says Kathy. It was fun to experiment with the old recipe. I make pecan pies every year for Thanksgiving and Christmas from the same recipe. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, four logs, hot oven. I'm guessing that's like 450 uh, at how, least. How would you know? I don't know. Well, I have a wood stove at my house. Not that I, I do cook on it sometimes, but it's yeah. mostly for heat. How old is your house? Uh, like 150 years old. The upkeep must just be a pain in the backside, yeah? Yeah, but the the property that it's on, the original farm, dates to 1730. Oh, so cool. Across there, yeah, it's a series of houses that were all built by the same family over 200 years. Uh, All farms, or was it? uh... Yeah, one big farm. So it was on the um, part of the James Duane settlement. Neato. Yeah, who was the first uh, English mayor of New York City. That is really incredible. Deanna Fox is our guest today. The number is 800-348-2551. Hand me down recipes, and we'll go to Plainfield, Massachusetts. Emily, you're on. Hi, Deanna and Ray. Thanks for uh, doing this show because you are reminding me to try and make my mother's blintzes again, which I haven't done in a long time. And it's one of the few things like – she never, I never saw it written down. She showed me how to do this when I was a little kid, and yeah. I'm sure she learned from her mother. And uh, my whole family are Jews from Lithuania, so mm-hmm. Eastern European. But, um, yeah, and in New England, it seems like people think of blintzes or the people have, you know, like blueberry sweet. This was a savory, and we had them for dinner, like in the summertime a lot of times. And you actually made... Uh, what she called blini, which is like a crepe. Mm-hmm. With and it, I think the recipe was like a, I believe I'm gonna have to try to mess around and see if I remember it. But it was one egg to a cup of flour and enough water to give it the consistency of milk, mm-hmm. and then you poured it in a hot frying pan and like swirled it around and then flipped them over and made a whole stack of them. And the one thing I wanted to ask you, Deanna, is she would make a filling with. We used to use farmer's cheese, which is really hard to find anymore. Yeah. And and I think Friendship used to make one. And something called pot cheese that's like 
tangy, large curd mm-hmm. cottage cheese mm. yeah. that we would get in like the supermarket deli. And you mix that up with grated onion and melted butter and roll them all up and bake them with more butter on top. <laughs> yeah. And so, they were so, so good. That sounds so I amazing. I have a, a question and a comment. So I'll ask the question first. Did she make it with buckwheat flour? The the no, no no not we would just make it with like all purpose flour. Okay. When I was a kid, but who knows what her ancestors did when they were in the old country? I don't know. Yeah. So um, farmer's cheese, you can actually find it. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because it's a fresh milk cheese. So right now, dairy farms are kind of starting their calving season. So like February into March, April, May, June, especially in June, you get something called the spring flush, which is where all the grasses come up, calves are turned out on pasture, and they're producing a ton of really sweet milk. So you find things like basket cheese, farmer's cheese, pot cheese right now. So And you can freeze it. So if you go really to any grocery store in the specialty cheese section, uh-huh. you Yeah, should... you can find farmer's cheese. Yeah, but look for basket okay, cheese, too. Okay, maybe... The last time I tried doing this was years ago, and I remember I pulled out a book. I think it was Sundays at Moosewood to help me oh, like yeah, yeah. reconstruct in my mind how to do this. But I think it it was pretty much my mother's recipe. And thanks for the show because now I want to try again. I haven't done it in a long time. It sounds so good, Emily. It good, does. Good luck I almost with it. made blintzes this morning. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! Sweet my, ones. Oh yeah. My <laughs> my father was big into that too. Yeah. He was from downstate. Thanks a lot for the call, Emily. Uh, okay, so our listeners are great. So I've been looking everywhere for the Jiffy Golden Cake Mix. Oh, my gosh. And apparently it is still available. All right, Elizabeth, thank you for that one. We appreciate it. I'm going to look I'm gonna look for it, too. Jerome writes in, it's pecan. A pecan is an item brought along on a long road trip. Mm. Well, thank you uh, very much for that. Uh, Nicholas writes, grew up in Lewiston, Maine. Very French-Canadian. Mm. Mm-hmm. Breakfast lunch treat is cretons, cretons, C R E T O N S, a spreadable pate made with pork butt or shoulder, chopped onions, garlic, salt, pepper, and nutmeg, put in a Dutch oven or heavy pot and cover with water. Bring to a boil, then turn to low simmer for several hours until the pork is just crumbly, and put in it in Tupperware or canning jars. Let it sit. Store in refrigerator. Let it set. Store in refrigerator and spread on toast or crackers with a touch of mustard. You yeah. can use base recipe and add mashed potatoes to make tortillere, oh, meat yeah. pies for the holidays to go with needums. Remember the potato candies from last time? Yes, yes Nicholas, needums. I do remember that. Uh huh. And as long as you don't send Moxie, that's okay, and we're all we're all good with that. Thank you. And uh, one more email, then back to the phones. Eight hundred three four eight two five five one. Miranda writes. I heard the caller talk about his mother's bread sauce. Very, very old English recipe served at holidays. Goes back to the Middle Ages. Still served in the U.K. Love the show. That's from Miranda. Thanks, Miranda. So you're going to make that next time, the bread sauce? Yeah, I'm going to try it. I've seen sauces thickened with bread before, but this is different. My grandmother used to make this thing called, she called it brotglaze. Mm-hmm. And for the life of me, I cannot find the exact translation, but they were like bread dumplings basically mm-hmm. and you served it with a very thin brown gravy mm-hmm. very like not a thick heavy brown right. gravy but thin and it, it had just bits of bread and little bits of bacon and they were made into balls and i believe fried and they 
You good. wonder why all the males in, in, in our family died real early because they had <laughs> clogged aortas. But there you go. So I just went onto my grocery store app and looked for the Jiffy. There's there's Jiffy cornbread mix, of course. Yeah, I, yeah, I see that. Pie all crust the time. mix, baking mix, popcorn, buttermilk, pancake, and waffle mix. But I don't see the yellow. Okay, somebody's. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna have to get it back. I'll um, look. I'll I have look not online. seen it in the stores in multiple years. There is the the Jiffy sort of um, the the. It's analogous to uh, Bisquick. You can yep. get that, yeah. like, multi-purpose, mm-hmm. but I've not seen the, the golden cake mix. But, well, check it out. Let's go back to the phones. Deanna Fox is here with us, and we'll go to Slingerlands. Harriet, you're on. Hi there. Um, I'm calling about a recipe for brownies that I grew up with. Uh, my mother, I don't remember hardly ever having regular chocolate brownies. These were graham cracker chocolate chip brownies with only three ingredients. I've seen many variations, um, tasted many variations, but these are the best in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And all it is is two cups of graham cracker crumbs, one can of sweetened condensed milk, and one bag of semi-sweet dark Uh chocolate bits, period. And um, stir it. It's like cement. (laughs) <laughs> mix, it, mix it up and grease pan for 20, uh, 20 25 minutes, and that's it. Huh. So you mix everything and, together. Uh, you don't, like, put the graham cracker down first. Nope. Then, huh. Nope, 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 nope. So it's it's a thick, you know, very chewy yeah. uh, brownie. And I've taken it countless places. I'm going to make that this always, weekend. Really? It's always a huge hit. And um, I, a funny story I always tell with the recipe it was what my mom sent back uh, to college with mm-hmm. me, it, you know, after I was home. And it was a huge hit. And um, this one woman on my floor said, I want to make them this weekend. And she comes back Sunday night, and she said, I tried, and they didn't work. And I said, how can you go wrong? <laughs> what did right. you do? Well, I didn't have chocolate chips, so I used butterscotch um, chips, uh, which I hate. But but <laughs> I didn't have sweetened condensed milk, so I used evaporated. Uh-huh. Not. Mm, okay. <laughs> Not an option. Not an option. Um, if you use those three ingredients and that's it. And then, <laughs> Harriet, um, what size pan yeah. and what do you bake them at? Eight, eight inch square pan, 350, 20, 25 minutes, and that's it. Nice. They're really dense. They're really rich. They're, they're like I said, they're a huge hit mm. wherever. Well, like the only the problem is the ingredients are a lot more. Oh, my, my mother said they were a recipe from World War II when sugar was rationed. Mm-hmm. And these ingredients were available. Now all of this is way more expensive. Right. And yeah. this, this uh, Christmas I went to make some as gifts, and um, I don't know if it's still there. Not there, but I could not find graham cracker crumbs in the grocery store. I could not. Nobody had them. So I, I had a little bit left, and then I, I, you know, ran some through a food processor, and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Just you know the regular, yeah, graham crackers. I want to. I don't that. know what the. That's exciting. So have fun. Enjoy. Them. Thank you. They're so easy. Harriet, thank you and very so much good. for the call. Appreciate it. So you'll probably have to listen back to the show when you get home. When I got ready. that in my head. Two really? Cu- two cups of graham cracker crumbs, a can of sweetened condensed milk, and a bag of chocolate chips. You mix it together. She said it's like cement. Right. Which, okay. Sounds now appetizing. Now I know what I'm looking for. That's good. 
the Jimmy Hoffa cookies. All right, yeah, right. Hey, hey, let's take feet. a break. 800-348-2551. If you do forget, this show will be online about 15 minutes after we're done on the air. WMC.org. And then you go to the Vox Pop page. We'll take a break. We'll be back. We'll hit the phones, et cetera, et cetera, with Deanna Fox. Three four eight two five five one from the album Healing Time on Telark. That's Thembi, which I think is a Pharaoh Sanders song. If I'm, am I correct? Don't look that? at me, man. All right, fair enough. Deanna, How come? Go ahead. I always request Steely Dan as my intro music, and I never get it. I have a few in in my group in the the server. Um, <laughs> I, I know I have a few Steely Dans, but you know you got to look for one with a long mu- instrumental bed. I don't yeah. have any vocals. No vocals. So Asia is one that I'll pull out uh-huh. and. Uh, there are there are a couple that are just I need a minute and a half, you know, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all I'm all in on the Steely Dan as you. I well just know. started rewatching The Sopranos. I felt like it was time to rewatch that series. And there's a scene in the second season where Tony Soprano is driving down the highway with a really thick Jersey accent singing Steely Dan, and that just you is know, in my head now. I've never seen one episode of that show. <sighs> Blasphemy. Yeah, well, that's what I hear. Everyone loves it. Um, this email from B.A. in Scotia, and then we'll go back to uh, the phones. B.A. writes, thanks for the memory lane waltz. I inherited my grandmother's recipe box, mostly post-World War One and Depression era, plus my mother's and aunt's post-World War II through 60s. The mains are easy to translate. Most stretch a little meat with lots of fresh or home-preserved garden produce, but many of the baked goods remain challenging. Translating high or moderate oven is a recurring but manageable issue. What takes me repeated tries are some of those baked goods whose directions read, blend, stir, knead, until (laughs) feels looks like. I finally got the gingerbread to work. Again, thanks for the show. That's from B.A. Mm -hmm. It's true. They give you very little method. Well, you know. There were, there were ways to do things. Uh, our guest is Deanna Fox. It's hand-me-down recipes, 800-348-2551. These cookies are delicious. I've Thanks. been making one last the entire show so far. I know. Me too. I just finished mine. All right. Have another one. There's a big bag of them right there. There are. Uh, let's go to Albany, New York, and Ariel, you're on. Hi. Um, I have a recipe, a coconut cake recipe from my grandma. Ooh. I've never tried it from her. She died before I was born. Um, but I've made it a number of times for my dad, and he continuously says it's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, That's not nice. And I know. Well, he enjoys it, but um, <laughs> he says that it used to be double the size, like double the height. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how to get to that. So the recipe uses glasses, so I don't quite know what a glass is equivalent to. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And then also the Wesson oil, so I'm okay. grateful that you mentioned that. I might try a different type of oil. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, his memory eggs used to be like triple the size they were now. So. Yeah. Um, 
So a couple of things. First, I think this is a dad thing because my dad does this too. It's never the same <laughs> as when his mom or grandma made it. Um, so I think it's like the dad prerogative. Okay. The other thing <laughs> is this is something that I've come across a lot of times. People will bring me a recipe and like somebody had a pierogi recipe and it never turned out like her grandmother's. And it would say like two cups of flour. So she was using, you know, standard cups that we would use today. But actually she found out was like the teacup that her grandmother brought over from Poland. It was that cup. Uh, so you have the same problem. You don't know what glass she was using. Right. But the glass is for what? It's for the, the dry ingredients or the wet or all? Uh, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the flour she used, it's Presto self-rising flour, which I actually did find. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so self-rising. Yeah. No, it's the glass for like oil and a glass for the glasses are also for flour. And then for the eggs sugar. in the recipe, does it instruct you to separate them, beat them? What's the what's the method on the eggs? No, there's no actual instructions. It's mm. just the ingredient list. So I would tell you to separate your eggs mm-hmm. and beat to stiff peaks, beat your, your egg whites to stiff peaks. And then you're going to make all of your ingredients together and fold in your egg whites at the end, um, which will act as a like a physical leavener. Whereas like the baking powder, the baking soda and your self-rising flour is a chemical leavener that's going to react with different acids in your ingredients to create rise. You could add maybe like mm-hmm. a quarter of a teaspoon of baking powder in. Um, but mm-hmm. when you whip up those egg whites, you might get more. And then you just have to be very gentle when you pour it into your cake pans. Just do it very gently. And that might help you get a little bit more lift and rise. It'll be a lighter cake, too. It won't be dense. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. might help. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call, Ariel. We appreciate it. Let's go over to Rhinebeck, New York. And Madeline, or is it Madeline? Madeline. You're on. Hi. Okay. Thank you. Um, For decades, I've been using my mom's pie crust recipe, which uses uh, Cisco shortening. Mm -hmm. And uh, I heard you talking about different kinds of oils, and I think you mentioned Cisco. Anyway... Recently, for the first time, the pie crust is not, it's, it's difficult to work with. It used to be really easy to just roll over the pin, put it in the pan, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's the Cisco? Is there any change in that? Is it Cisco or Crisco? Crisco, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, Crisco. Cis- Cisco is an oil that has a firewall built in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would think it would be, did you change your flour at all? Um... Ah, that's interesting. I recently changed to organic flour. That's it. Why do you think that's it? Because huh. it's probably a different type huh. of wheat. Oh, interesting. Um, well, it doesn't have Roundup in it, that's for sure. Yeah, but you <laughs> might. it might be a harder wheat, like a, like a tougher right. wheat. So that might be it. So right. Is there a way that she can work with that and maybe make it less of a hard wheat? Yeah, you, can ju- you could add a couple of tablespoons of... Um, Crisco in and then maybe like a little bit more you're using like ice water for your liquid yeah 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 you can add a little bit more and then chill it you want to chill it for a while um, just to let everything uh-huh. hydrate you're probably going to want to chill it for longer right. than you normally would because right. that that wheat will absorb up more liquid um, when you say chill it you mean when you first make the dough you just put it in a little patty and then you put it in the refrigerator you mean yeah yep Okay. Um, okay. And then All I would right. even. Well, thank you. Yeah, like overnight even. Okay. Yeah. Good luck. Ah. 
Madeline, okay. and let us All know right, how you do. Next time You're Deanna's welcome. on, call okay. us up and see if you made some progress. Thanks for the call. Deanna Fox is our guest today. It's 800-348-2551 or VoxPop at WAMC.org. It's a zip over now to uh, North Adams and Victor. Victor, you're on. Oh, good day. Hi. I make uh, pecan pie, but I substitute maple syrup, so I have a maple pecan pie instead of a regular pecan pie. I do that too, Victor. Always make it in a double boiler and all that stuff. That's not why I called, though. The reason I called is I've been cleaning my basement for the last month or so, and it just so happens about 2 o'clock this morning there were two elderly women that never got married, and they died, and I cleaned out their house. And I've got a box, I would say, with, I don't know, at least a 1,000 recipes, if not more. They're from the 1800s till around the end of the 1900s or so. That's great. There's old old books and just handwritten there's hundreds and hundreds of handwritten recipes and there's all kinds of old books from there's even a pillsbury one that was from like 1917 or something like wow that. That's cool. so i was wondering if diana diana would be interested in those oh geez uh, um well I'll tell you what victor maybe. um either way why don't you shoot me an email at voxpop at wamc.org uh, if you can, I've never, I've never been able to, I've never been able to uh, send an email to the uh, to the morning program, the round table. So I don't know if I can send an email. Oh well, give it a shot. Voxpop at wamc.org, and then I'll try to put you in touch with Deanna. Now, you know, there's Amy Halloran too, who just yeah. loves the old books about flour and everything else. She was on last week. We we're talking about it. And there's various groups, even locally, that do, even where you are. Um, well, I'm just wondering if you were interested. That's all I'm wondering. If you're interested, well, then you get them. If yeah. oh, that's <laughs> nice of you. you. That's, that's very sweet. Yeah. Get the second shot. Shoot yeah. me an right, email. Well, yeah. I will have my grand. I'll have my grandchildren uh, 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 email you. All right, man. Thanks a lot for the call. Have a great weekend. 800-348-2551 is the number. Deanna Fox is our guest. And to Clinton, Dan, you're on. Hi, folks. Um, Hi. My your, your conversation about family recipes and old recipes sort of made me think about something, and I, I'm hoping that maybe you have an answer. Um, I grew up eating certain kinds of foods that other people might think are not palatable. I grew up eating pickled cow's tongue and chicken gizzards and chicken hearts. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I, I – I love exploring food, so all kinds of foods are appealing to me. Uh, I, I heard goat cheeks, and I said, ooh, yay, crispy mm-hmm. pig's ears, yay. Um, but mm. some foods, when I hear about them, they sound revolting. Uh, the idea of eating frogs' legs or or ants. Um, I just, you know, I just, I'm just. My question is, why would? Is there any science science behind it, or is it psychology, or just all upbringing as to why certain foods might or might not be That's great. palatable or appealing, and others are revolting? Well, it's got to be sociology involved with this, yeah. Well, there's. I think there's oh, yeah. twofold. So there are some things that we're like. Uh, genetics might come into play. Like some people love cilantro and some don't. And that's... Yeah, there's, there's I, science, there's right. chemistry. But a lot of it mm-hmm. is like kind of what you said, Dan, the way we assign meaning to things. So, yeah, I ate a lot of the things that you also ate growing up because that's what we had. And so if that's what you have, that's just how it is. You don't really have a choice and nobody assigns a negative connotation to it. Huh. 
But okay. if gotcha. I'm, I'm having the opportunity next year to go to uh, Columbia um, on a uh, coffee origin trip, which is my industry, and someone cool. said to me, "Oh, you've got to go to this region and eat the big bottom ants. They're uh, they're part of the culture." And I thought, "I'm so excited and revolted at the same time." Well, Barb, the call screener, just about it. fell over when you said that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, good. Let us know how that worked. Yeah. That works out for you. Will do. Well, thank you for your answer. I appreciate it. You're Did he say goat cheeks? The cheek is the best part of the animal, hands down, every time. Goat cheeks. Now, cheeks. that's got to be a nickname for somebody. Hey, yeah. get over here, that's goat we, cheeks. That's what we call you when you're not goat around. Cheeks? Yeah, goat nice. cheeks? That's nice. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Goshen. Uh, Allison, you're on. Well, hi there. My recipe is for dandelion wine. Mm-hmm. This is a recipe that came down through my grandmother, and she was born in 1888, and her, her family before. How do you make it? Hello. Hello. Yeah. We're listening. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You wash the dandelions, cover with uh, the dandelion blossoms, cover with four quarts of boiling water, and let stand for four days, stirring every day. Then you strain, add three pounds of sugar, boil 10 minutes. When cool, add, add in one pound of raisins, two oranges, one lemon, and one yeast cake. Mm-hmm. Let stand for nine days. Strain and bottle, but do not put cork in tightly for two weeks. Right. Huh. I made this once um, when I was a teenager, and my brother got rather drunk on it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was wondering what the... There's so much sugar, and then the raisins and the fruit, too. That's a lot of sugar to ferment. So I was wondering... It is sweet. Well, sweet, but I guess you could even let it go for longer, right? And the yeast would keep eating the sugar, and it would get drier and more alcoholic. Mm. Uh, you mean to before you drain it and stuff, or do you mean after preparing this? Yes, it would last quite a while if yeah. you refrigerate it. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Maybe we'll bring that in this summer. Allison, thank you for that. That's a nice one. I got an email here from Marianne who says, Joe, golden yellow cake mix is still made. I visited Jiffy Mix headquarters a while back in Chelsea, Michigan. Took a tour. Their cookbook is so much fun. Hmm. Uh, Thank you, Marianne. Uh, Just a a note, Joe is the professional broadcaster here. I'm the (laughs) semi-professional broadcaster. My name's Ray. Let's go over to Middletown. And Faith, you're on. Hi, everyone. I'm calling because... Hi. My uh, great-aunt Zita, so you know there's a good recipe there, um, used to make something that she always called raw chili sauce. Mm-hmm. Really? It, had, um, it was like a precursor of, like, salsa. We mm-hmm. didn't know until we had salsa much later on. But um, it was tomatoes and peppers and some onions, and I know that there was some kind of brown sugar, sweet kind of component, and she would hang it in a bag in the bathroom for a few days, and they'd can it up. And we loved it, and we can't find it anywhere. I've looked for this recipe for years since my mother passed as well. We can't find it, and I so would love to replicate it. Hmm. Have you ever heard of anything like it? Uh, not, not called raw chili sauce, but she hang it, hung it in a bag, like in a like a cheesecloth, so it would drain. Yes, like in cheesecloth, and it would drain. She'd have it hanging in the shower. So then, for what, a couple days and can so then, it up. Yeah. So then you use just the liquid and not the the solids no we it was the solid huh she, she would drain it and then the solid would they would can it right yeah. ball jars and um yeah Very sit on cool. the shelf and they'd pop it open it was See, always uh this is why you I know, can't... on the plate when 
Yeah. yeah. I can't do this show. on uh, My whole weekend's gone. Now I have to go home and make this. Do this. Do Every this. time I do this show, I lose entire weekends. <laughs> so the next time you're on, we'll have, we'll have a, I'm either... I'm not sure what the... I... Go I'm ahead. not sure what else is in there. Do you know what I mean? Like I can, I can remember the taste of it. We all loved it. Yeah. Um, everybody ate it. It was a big family thing, obviously. And Look you know, that's fa- what holds your heart when everybody gets yeah. together and makes it. Look for yeah. a recipe for tomato jam. Tomato jam. That's the closest thing. Okay. That I can think of. I'm pretty sure there are goat cheeks in that. Okay. Am I wrong? You serve it on goat no, cheeks. Ah, I yeah. see. Okay. <laughs> Hey, all veggies, all Faith, thank you so much for the call. Got an email here from Cynthia who says, Love the show. Old recipe, cranberry relish. My great-grandmother, mm. Bertha Minerva Hotelling, born in 1873, was a terrific cook. She made a raw cranberry relish composed of fresh cranberries, navel oranges, and sugar. My grandmother, Alice Margaret, born in 1905, raised her family during the Depression and then into World War II when sugar was not to be used lavishly. The sugar was reduced and a large apple was added for sweetness. My mother, Joyce, born in 1934, made this in her KitchenAid stand mixer. Great convenience over the old-fashioned crank grinder of yore. I still make it from the same method today. I think of them so fondly during that process, and that's part of the fun. It is. I love that. Hoteling's a very famous name around these parts. They did a lot of settling of a lot of towns. I grew up with a bunch of hotelings, and they were all good cooks. There you go. Maybe maybe there's a little cross there. Maybe. All right, uh, let's go to Milford and Helen. You're on. Hi, how are you today? Very good. well. you got about a minute here with Deanna Fox. No problem. My mom, when she was a child growing up in French Canada, uh, then as she grew, she was sent to the nuns in Montreal for some secretarial training. And my mom always made for us these old-fashioned date squares, mm. and then which was uh, um, uh, an oatmeal mixture, bottom top, and then uh, a layer, a thin layer of the dates in the middle. And I asked her one time, Mom, where did you get this recipe from? She said, the nuns in Montreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. So we got a kick out of that. Yeah. And my children ask me to this day, Mom, are you going to make some date squares, and usually around Christmas? And the only change that we have made is that we have made the date layer in between thicker. Aha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. It's like a precursor to and a And everything, everything else is the same. It's marvelous. Mm-hmm. That does sound good. Well, we're about done here. Deanna Fox, you came up with another winning idea. So you're you're batting almost a thousand. Hey. You've done so many shows. There must have been one <laughs> clanker in there. All right. So you have a lot to do this weekend, a lot of cooking to do. Oh my do. God. Yeah, apparently. Just cancel all my plans. And then we'll see how you did. It'll either be a post mortem or it'll be a success report. Yeah. All right, fine. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you, sir. Support comes from Autobahn Service, Route 7, Sheffield, Massachusetts, providing service, repair, and diagnosis of modern European imports, specializing in Volkswagen, Audi, Mercedes, Land Rover, Porsche, and BMW, AutobahnTechnic.com. And the Olana Partnership, presenting guided tours of the landscape at Main House, Friday through Sunday at Olana State Historic Site. More information and tickets at Olana.org. Once again, thanks to Deanna Fox for being here today. Thank you for listening. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the calls. Thanks to Zachary Malloy, our engineer. Phone screened by Barb King. Thanks, Barb. I'm Ray Graff. Have a, um, well, listen, on Monday we'll be here to talk about the exciting world of colorectal surgery with Dr. Raghavan Siddharthan from St. Peter's. In the meantime, just curb your anticipation for that. We'll see you Monday at 2. Have a splendid weekend.